We're in a series on faith, looking at different uh, characters in the Bible and how they can inspire us and help us um, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to emulate and to stir our faith. And today we're going to look at the story, the account of Gideon. But just an illustration to start, if I can have my next slide. Um, it'll be there in a second. I love happy endings. My family all know the best films are the ones with happy endings. So uh, you watch those films and at the end of it, it doesn't have an ending at all. And I'm like, what was the point of that? And then you watch those films that have really sort of naff endings. You think, what was the point of giving out all that time just to watch a film that's naff? And uh, so, uh, so what do these, all these films have in common? A um, bit of an age range there. Some of us, uh, anybody remember Lassie? Anybody remember Lassie? Oh, yeah, there's a few Lassie fans still out there. Yeah. There was always a tear shed, but at the end, Lassie won through, didn't they? And uh, didn't he, sorry. And uh, Shrek, Matrix, uh, Frozen fans. Of course, it's always the goodies that, that, that win at the end, isn't it? It's always a happy ending for the goodies. Um, and uh, The Wizard of Oz. So... What I want to do is slightly differently. I thought we would look at the story of Gideon from the end back to the beginning. So usually we start at the beginning of a story and we work our way to the end. But I thought it's got a happy ending. This part of Gideon's life has got a happy ending. So I thought what we'll do is we'll start at the end and then we'll work our way back to the beginning. So where does, where does we get to? And uh, next slide will tell us that uh, there's a victory. There's a battle that gets won, uh, that 300 lappers through a surprise ambush with just a lamp and a jar uh, defeat this Midianite army. Uh, amazingly, uh, this horde beyond number couldn't be counted, uh, are defeated by 300 um, and uh, God wants to strengthen uh, Gideon's faith. So he, uh, he lets him go down to the, uh, to the Midianite camp to hear what they're saying. And there's a conversation going on. And two people are saying, one person says to the other, I've had a prophetic word. And uh, I've heard that, that we're going to get defeated. And this has to be the sword of Gideon, son of Joash. So God was wanting to encourage uh, the, uh, uh, Gideon as he was about to go into battle. And uh, so, uh, and then the next bit, go back a stage. He starts off with 22,000 in his army. So he's got a reasonable army for a horde. And God says, nope, you've got too many. So he, he sends him off and they, and they whittle it down to 10,000. And God says, nope, you've got too many. And he ends up with 300. 22,000 ends up as 300 and God says, go. So uh, before that, we find that uh, as Gideon receives this word, so he, he doubts. And he's saying, is it really you, Lord? Is it really you? So, so we get the story of the fleece. And, and uh, he doesn't just test God once. He tests him twice. He says, uh, he says well, make the, make the fleece wet and the ground dry. And then the next day, he says, can you do the, the, the miracle the other way around? And God answers both miracles. Carrying, going back one stage further, um, 
we read this beautiful part of the story of Gideon where he's filled with the Spirit, but the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. I love that. Yeah, we're told to put on, uh, uh, you know, the clothes of grace. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Gideon summons the army. That's how he ends up with 22,000 to start with. And then you have this amazing account where where God speaks to, to Gideon and he tells him to go and chop down the village idols. Those things, the, the poles, the, the idols that the, the whole village was worshipping, he tells him to go and chop them down. And, uh, and so he does that at night uh, and then the, the village turn on him and they're about to kill him and his dad, Joash, says, no, no, leave him alone. If they're, if they're really gods, they'll sort him out. And they followed Joash's advice. And finally, we get right back to the beginning of this story, and an angel appears to Gideon. He's hiding in a wine press. The angel appears, and the Lord says to Gideon these words, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Just remember those words for a moment. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. I want us to see three things this morning in this incredible account of an incredible young man. Firstly, identity. What took Gideon from a fearful young man to a mighty leader in this part of his life? Obedience. How did obedience affect his faith? And number three, it really is who you know. And I want to look at what was the foundation of Gideon's faith. So number one identity. We see in this account where Gideon starts in his journey with Yahweh, the Lord God, life is tough. They're struggling to keep going. The enemy is raiding. Every year they come back. They've just created another harvest and the enemy moves in. And before they've had a chance to collect up the, the grain and the, and the harvest, the enemy invades. And uh, what they were going to live on for the next year is all of a sudden trampled and stolen away. And the Lord appears through an angel to a young man hiding in a hole, trying to get by, and speaks these words. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Can you picture the scene? You're hiding away, life's going, life's going pear shape, and an angel appears. And he speaks to you and he says, mighty man, mighty one of valor. Do you think what would happen? I wonder who he's talking to. But there's nobody nobody else there. It's only Gideon. And here comes the if question. Really, really important to notice what Gideon says. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord. So he's very respectful. If... If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of Midian. I wonder if you've ever been there. I wonder if you've ever been in those places where actually you ask the if question. If you're there, God... Why is this happening? I reckon, as I was praying about this, I just knew in my heart that there's people here today who are asking that question. Can I tell you, it's normal. 
It's a normal part of Christian life. We go through seasons in life, and actually, it's not wrong, as we'll see, to ask the if question. Doubt is not a problem, but it is if you don't know how to handle it. The angel's reply is interesting, to say the least. So here's Gideon, he's asked the question, come on Lord, where were you? What have you been doing? Why am I in this situation? What's going on? And this is the, and this is the Lord's reply. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. That's it. That's all, he's going to, that's all the Lord's going to say. There is at least two ways of looking at this as I've been looking at it and thinking about it. Number one, that the Lord God is a grumpy headmaster who will not be questioned and is beneath him to give answers. Have you ever met anybody like that? What I say goes, you don't need to know anymore. Uh, or, number two, that the Lord God, our Heavenly Father, is at work in every circumstance of our lives. At times, knowing is simply beyond our ability to understand and would not help us. And we need to take hold of what is true and walk with that. I think we should go for the second option. If you want an example of that in the Bible, look at Job. 37 chapters of Job telling God how he's feeling and questioning whether God really knows what he's doing. 37 chapters and God appears uh, and in the last five chapters doesn't answer any of Job's questions but actually gives him revelation of his situation and turns everything round. What is taking place here is identity. Gideon's looking at his circumstances and defines his identity by these. The angel brings the Lord's view. Only one can be right. Either Gideon is right in seeing himself as a weak and unable to make a difference in the situation, or the Lord is right that he's the man who can bring deliverance. This is the issue of identity. And as believers, it's crucial for you and me. We live in the knowledge that Jesus delivered us from the enemy. He calls us overcomers. We're being prepared to rule and reign with him. We have authority to stand on his promises and declare his rule and reign right here in our lives. He can say to each one of us, go in this might of yours. When you became a Christian, you received a new identity. Hallelujah. Through the spirit of the living God. The apostle Paul tells the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 is a great one to to just use in your quiet time, in in study. Ephesians 1 talks about our identity as Christians. And and right here in this passage, 11 to 14, this is what Paul says. In him we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counts of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's the guarantee... Underline that guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. 
We've got a guarantee that God has given us an inheritance. He's given us a new identity. This is not theoretical. This is deep and highly practical. This is something that needs to shape who we are and what we do. The reality is that in the world we live in, in every culture, but it's absolutely true in ours, there are identity stealers. There are those who want to rob us of our identity. And uh, some of you, uh, if you've got uh, children or grandchildren, might recognize this character. Anybody know who that is? Swiper, yes. Uh, and uh, Swiper's one of these uh, little characters who delights in go along in swiping things that somebody else has collected. And uh, let me give you three identity stealers. Number one, performance. You see, performance, believing in what you can do, will bring ultimate satisfaction and worth. Status. What I have can make me acceptable to others. And appearance, how I can present myself will make others and even myself like or maybe even love me. You see, those are all things that the world encourages us to strive for. But God has provided the antidote to these, that we will be significant, we will be secure, and we will be accepted. We run the Freedom in Christ course in this church and I highly recommend it to you. One of the great parts of the Freedom in Christ course, it speaks to us about our identity. And I want us to uh, uh, do just a very short activity now, just to speak the truth of who we are over our lives and over one another. So on the next slide, we've got three slides now. On the next one, it talks about what it means to be accepted uh, in Christ. And... Uh, it's, it's written as a statement, I renounce the lie that I'm rejected, unloved, or shameful. In Christ, I, I'm accepted, God says. And we're just going to actually declare. If you can put those other ones up, Joel, those ones that come underneath that, would be great. Um, and it says, I'm God's child. I've been bought with a price. I belong to him. I am a saint, a holy one. I've been adopted as God's child. I've been redeemed and forgiven all my sins. Okay, so if you're happy to join along, we're going to do this together. So let's read it. Let's say this together. I renounce the lie that I am rejected, unloved, or shameful. In Christ, I am accepted. God says, I am God's child. I've been bought with a price. I belong to him. I am a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as God's child. I have been redeemed and forgiven all my sins. And on to the next one. There's a truth that you've just spoken over yourself. Next one is, I am secure. So let's do this together. I renounce the lie that I am guilty, unprotected, alone, or abandoned. In Christ, I am secure. God says, I am free from condemnation. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I can find grace and mercy to help in a time of need. I am confident that the good work God began in me will be perfected. What do you think it would be like if we got up every day and reminded ourselves of those truths? And then finally, what it means to be significant uh, through what God wants to do in our life. 
I renounce the lie that I am worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. In Christ, I am significant. God says, I am the branch of the true vine. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am seated with Christ in heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. Every single one of those is based on Scripture. It's true because God says it's true. And the things that go on in this world that seek to steal your identity and my identity, God expects us to raise the shield of faith and to use those as a way of actually keeping them away from us and keeping them away from our family and the people that we love. So I, I just commend that, that actually we're thoroughly scriptural. Yeah, and we build it into our lives that we say this is the truth. I know I need to do that every day. Number two, obedience. What part did obedience play in this, uh, in this story of Gideon, in what happened? Um, and I just want very briefly to, uh, to give you three uh, examples of where obedience was absolutely critical and enabled the victory. We find that in that initial exchange, when the angel turns up and Gideon is hiding in a hole, just trying to make ends meet, that uh, whilst he questions the angel, what he then does is he offers a sacrifice. He says, please stay. Please stay here. So I may offer a sacrifice. Because he recognizes God's presence always demands a response. As we come week by week, we come to worship as our response. We come to listen to the word of God as our response. We choose to live our lives in the way that we do. We choose to be godly, not to earn brownie points, but to actually reflect the goodness and the love of God as a way of providing worship. Worship should pervade every single part of our lives, not just on Sundays, every bit of it, in our parenting. It's been great to have Stephen and Ruth uh, Stephen Ruth Brading, helping us in that area of parenting, you know, as we grow in every area of our lives. So we need to uh, bring worship. And uh, Gideon does that as he brings his sacrifice to the Lord. So he honored the Lord's presence with a sacrifice. He removed the idols. That was no small thing. This was, this was culture. This was absolutely uh, what people chose to put their faith and their trust in. He was attacking the very things that people had built into their lives as being of importance. And he brought his doubts to the one person who could deal with them. It's interesting. I don't know how you respond to the story of the fleece, where Gideon kind of thinks he's heard from God, but he isn't too sure. And he, and he kind of says, Lord, I really would value just a bit more evidence that it's you and that you're, uh, that you're, you're there. And, and God, in his grace and his mercy, doesn't say, look, I've said it, that's enough, get on with it. He says, no, I'll meet you. I'll meet you in that place. So Gideon does that through faith as he asks the Lord to show him. And the Lord is so gracious to him that he lets him get a, 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 a quick preview of what's coming and uh, uh, lets him go and listen to the enemy. So, so every one of the victories that Gideon uh, is going to see is 
is preceded by acts of obedience. And the truth is, every victory we're ever going to see as a church, as individuals, is preceded by steps of obedience. I'm so grateful for those who've gone before us who have been obedient to the call of God. We stand on their shoulders. And it's our call now to be obedient so that those upstairs and in the rooms around in years to come will say thank you for those who stood in obedience to the Lord and kept going uh, so that we might receive all that God had planned for us. So I just want to give some thoughts around perhaps some more application here. Um, And then I want to actually look at that last question. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And give a real opportunity for people here to to actually engage and to hear the Lord uh, for themselves. And to know that faith to stand is not just about doing the right things. It's always about coming back to that place. There's a father who loves you and has chosen to bring you into this child-father relationship and wants to speak to you in that way. But here's just some thoughts around practical application. You see, we can see much in Gideon's life that can help and instruct us. Gideon had an identity crisis. People talk about identity crisis. People talk about crises at all kinds of ages. When you're 40, you're supposed to have a crisis. When you're 50, you're supposed to have a crisis. No, but actually Gideon had an identity crisis in making sense of his circumstances and living off the accounts of others. He asked the question, where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? Yeah, that's the if question. And that teaches us to actually bring those things. Ultimately, Gideon brought them to the Lord. And actually, he, that was the right place to, to bring them. We take them to Facebook and goodness knows where else. We need to bring our questions to the Lord. We need to always be sureing that we're lining up our lives with his revealed word, that we're speaking those truths when we know the difficulties and the setbacks that we find. See, Gideon had to deal with idols. See, the, the idols were very obvious in, in Gideon's life. They were the, the Asherah poles and the Baal and all of the other uh, idols that were represented by, uh, by shrines uh, and, and poles and things that people wor- worshipped. And uh, maybe they're not quite so obvious for you and me. I wonder what the idols are in your life as I think about what they are in my life. And it's interesting for Gideon not only to chop down the idols, he then used them to make a sacrifice to the Lord. What he was doing is he was desecrating them. He was actually removing them beyond use. It wasn't just enough to say, oh, well, I'll just put it aside. I'll chop it down and stick it over there. No, actually, he had to deal with it ruthlessly, completely, and destroy it. Idols, as I've looked at my own life, creep in all too easily. And sometimes in things that are good, but left unchecked, they can become idols in our lives. Let me give you one. It's, a, it's, it's an easy one to fall into. Well, it is for me. But opinions, my opinions, if I'm not careful, 
can become like an idol. They can become the thing that focus, takes the focus in my life. Left unchecked, my opinions lead to judgments that will affect my thinking and my actions, and I'll reap the results. Because the reality is our thinking leads to our action, and our action leads to the results. If you don't like what you're seeing in your life right now, check out your actions, check out your thinking. And we need to be ruthless in actually saying to the Lord, please show me where things are getting that status of being an idol in my life. And doubts. What do you do with doubts? There's no doubt that Gideon doubted God. No doubt at all. You know, if, if you're here, Lord, why is this happening? Why are we in this mess? What's going on? What are you doing? What do you do with doubts? And here's the best news I know. Doubts don't disqualify you. They don't disqualify me. Having doubts is not a problem. It's what you do with them. You see, Gideon accepted, sorry, struggled to accept the truth of who he was. It didn't disqualify him. Gideon struggled to accept the Lord's command to destroy the army, the idols, sorry. When did he do it? At night. Yeah? It didn't disqualify him. Gideon struggled to believe he could see the victory and ask for a sign twice. It didn't disqualify him. Doubts don't disqualify us. What do you do with your doubts? You take them back to the one who's able to meet you, who's able to actually hold your doubts and to take you through whatever the challenges are and whatever is happening in your life right now. We've got an identity that Jesus has given us through his sacrifice on the cross. You are a new creation. If you've received Jesus as Savior and Lord, you are a new creation. Ephesians 1 says, in Christ. That's our, that's our location now. When somebody comes looking for you and they talk to God, and they say, oh, he's in my son Jesus. You're in Christ. We, we deal with idols because ultimately they make us slaves. We heard the joke about uh, uh, what Rob means in Bulgaria. But they really do make us slaves. Ask anybody who's struggled with addiction, whether they feel fulfilled and they feel it's added to their lives. And once they know the reality of it, everyone will tell you, no, it did nothing. It just made me a slave. And recognize your doubts. Recognize your doubts and deal with your doubts in the way that Gideon did. And my final point, and I want us to have the opportunity this morning to engage is to, uh, uh, is what it, is this, is this phrase that kept coming to me, it really is who you know. Do you know that little d dilemma that people come up with? Is it who you know or what you know? You know, what's more important? Is it, you know, sometimes it's what you know, isn't it? And then other people, no, it's, it's, it's who you know. And I want to tell you in this respect, in Facing the battles in our lives, it really is who you know. You see, what made the difference in Gideon's life and what made the difference in our lives 
is that we encounter the living God personally. You cannot in any way live off the faith of somebody else. That's true. We're called to raise up our children in the knowledge of the Lord, but we can't save them. We bring them into that understanding and then we pray that God will save them. We can't save our friends. We can't save our neighbors. We share with them the love of God. We share what he's done in our lives so that actually we would know uh, that, that we can, that's as far as we can help them. See, we're encouraged to grow in our faith, to be mature. That is to be, you know, if you have a baby, you expect it to grow. Talk to every parent. You know, we expect babies to grow, don't we? It's uh, you feed them, you nurture them, and when you look round, I measured Lexi on the door this morning, uh, our little granddaughter on our kitchen door, there's a little mark, and every few months we, we get the pencil out, and goodness me, she's grown again. And uh, that's what we expect. And so it is for us as Christians. We expect to mature. We expect uh, to, uh, to grow in our knowledge and love of God. But ultimately, it's who you know not what you know is important. See, Father God speaks nine words over Gideon's life. Nine words, little words. Nine words. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. That's all he says. And then he says, go. Yeah. Every person who receives the Lord Jesus as Savior receives a new identity and enters into a new relationship. Every Christian is able to hear the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to speak to every single person here. You see, if you remember, the, the title of this sermon was Faith to Stand. That means either where you are now and the battles that you're facing now or the battles that are coming. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but there's battles coming. Okay, so uh, I think that's only fair. I think that's the reality of what we face. There are battles that are coming. So either it's because you're in a battle now or there's a battle that's to come. And in this church, we give thanks for prophetic encouragement. And in a few minutes, I'm going to invite people to bring some words uh, they've received for your encouragement. And in a few minutes, the, the generator children are going to enjoy us. In, enjoy us? Join us and uh, we'll be coming to the front so that they can be part of that. But I want to ask the band to come back now as we just begin to prepare our hearts because I believe the Lord wants to speak to each and every one of us personally. I believe he wants us to encounter him. I believe he wants us to know something more of his love and his grace and his mercy over your life and mine. So I want to encourage you, if you just want to uh, stand, if you're able, and let's just begin to prepare our hearts. Let's begin to just be open to receive. <laughs> He's a good, good father. <laughs> That's what we were singing a few moments to one another. That's what we were singing over our lives. He's a good, good father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.